Welcome to another episode of Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show where we bridge the gap between the sage and silver age group and the young upstart generation who think they have all the answers to absolutely everything. My name is Big Tone and I am the dad who both gets to be re-educated on this show by you-know-who, if you are a regular listener, and also who gets to do some re-educating of his own from time to time. To the eternal benefit, I may say, although she doesn't know it yet, of my co-host and daughter, known to you all affectionately as Little Tone. Here she is. Hello, Little Tone. How are you today? Hello. It's always weird for me because... All of my friends call me Big Tone, but I'm Little Tone in this scenario. You definitely are. You are the diminutive tone. You're so senior many tone, ways. really. <laughs> rude. How yeah, rude. I don't like that you added this bit at the beginning about you doing re-educating, because I'm still waiting to learn something. From yeah, you. well, I, I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely the direction of travel in this show, so I thought I ought to acknowledge it. So any road up um i wanted to first of all deliver on my promise because we have a very 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 loyal listener um and regular commentator on our show from the united states called laurie from minnesota hi laurie hope you're listening in as i say she's terrific hi, sorry i stepped on tony who's also saying hi your your sound is a little bit twangy little tone um, she's a, uh, oh no, there's probably not much you can do about it. It's an internet thing. She, uh, Laurie is a terrific friend to the show. Uh, she usually sides with little tone, which makes me think that maybe she's a little <laughs> left of me. And on this occasion, uh, she, on, well, the last thing we discussed, uh, one of the three topics that we discussed was, uh, whether going to university was a waste of time and money. And, um, she certainly sided uh, more with Little Tone on that. And uh, she wrote the following. And I promised that I would answer at the beginning of our next episode. So that's now. So I'm just going to read her comment. So she says, OK, perhaps uni is a bit different in the UK. I should, I should explain that I was a little bit sort of anti-uni, saying it was, I, was, I was on the side of saying it was a waste of time and money. So Laurie says, okay, perhaps uni is a bit different in the UK, but I think it is extremely important, at least in the US. Yes, she writes, lots of what is learned is not useful in one's career, but I believe it exposes people to so many worldwide ideas and insights. Do some kids just party and skip class? Yes, but lots of people like me took it very seriously. My parents saved and paid for my education, and I never skipped a class because I appreciated their efforts and sacrifices. I do think going to very pricey schools is not necessary. I went to a state-supported uni, university that is, here in Minnesota and feel I got a good education. If you put in the effort, you can get a good education at any school, I think, no matter what. One learns a ton on the job. I guess that's why they have entry-level jobs. One question for you, Tony. Here it comes. 
If you don't feel the people you hired out of universities were good hires, why do you continue to hire them? My guess is they are quick learners and get up to speed quickly to do a good job. That's my two cents. Enjoyed the show. So thank you, Laurie. So um, I feel that all the hires that we did from uh, university, they were actually exclusively from university, as I remember. I think all of them were extremely good. Uh, we actually got very good at selecting. Uh, yes, they were quick learners. But my point, which perhaps I wasn't very effective at getting over, I, I wasn't really targeting only a university education. I, I really should have made clearer that I have a, as an employer, I have a beef against the UK educational system generally, because while they were probably as good as we could have got, um, that what what surprised me, having come through expensive university educations, is that they didn't have knowledge of basic things, which I feel they should have learned as part of their education. They should and things that they should have learned ahead of things that were not really important to educating them. Remembering that education comes from ex ducere to lead out. So my mind, education should be about preparing people for surviving and thriving in the real world. And I don't think it does that. So, so many people who come out, who came to us, uh, were not until we taught them how, able to write a decent email, were able to have a decent uh, telephone uh, conversation. Although I would say that the Americans that we employed were better in that respect by some distance to the British people because Americans tend to be more confident communicators. And that was very important, very key in our job. Um, so I don't think that employers, I, I think employers have a right to expect, let's put it that way around. I think employers have a right to expect, you know, uh, university graduates to, to come out with things that enable them to function straight away in the workplace at a decent level. I don't feel it gets anywhere near that. That was my point. But your point is well made. Do you have a comment on any of that little term? Um, well, I mean, I, you know how I feel. I, I just think that your opinion doesn't really matter because you didn't go to uni. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, okay. I think that, uh, I think regardless of where you go, um, you always learn something from going to uni. It's really just about whether financially you can afford to do it or not and have a good life afterwards. Yeah, I did. I did look up that, you know, the sort of average cost of going to uni is £9,000 a year. So it's very, very expensive. A lot of money. It's a, a huge lot investment. And I do think, I mean, not only being able to write an email and have a conversation, I mean, nearly every graduate I can remember didn't know how to do a percentage, which I mean is absolutely basic stuff. I so, don't know how to do a percentage. Yeah, well, I just Google go. it. There you go. Yeah, but I'm I'm number dyslexic. That doesn't take away from well, my yeah, other skills. Yeah, but then you you have a special um, challenge. But I'm not talking about you. I don't have a special challenge. It's not a special challenge at all. Some okay. people are good at maths, and some people aren't. Anyway, we don't want to get stuck in the mud because we discussed this last week, and I no doubt won. Then so I don't want to win again. 
So let's uh, talk about, this is your show today because we are talking about your experience with medical marijuana. We have talked about marijuana in the past and I said about my experience at school, I never took it, uh, not because there was anything particularly virtuous about me at all. I was rather scared when I saw what it did to the evil people there. It turned them evil people, the for goodness evil sake. People, it turned them into lambs, which was a very good thing. That was a very positive thing. But it did worry me that these, you know, orig- these very energetic, rather aggressive, rather over aggressive people became so docile because they were so sort of spaced out. Uh, that worried me, that effect on them. And it uh, made me worried about taking a mind altering drug. I had never, ever thought about it in the medical context until much later in my life. And now you have an experience of that. I think you should share that with our audience. Yes. So um, I was speaking to a friend of mine who told me that their dad was taking medical marijuana, which I didn't realize was a thing in the UK. So I decided to have my own research and uh, came across a company called the Medical Marijuana Clinic, who were doing a marijuana trial uh, with 20,000 people in the UK. And you had to meet the eligibility criteria, which was either um, you have cancer, um, you're dealing with chronic pain, uh, migraines, uh, severe anxiety or severe depression. Um, And... um, and you had to it kind of you had to have a consultation with a, a doctor to explain the other types of treatment that you've tried. Um, it doesn't just have to be pharmaceutical, but but you have to have tried like I think two or three different things. Um, I've mentioned a few times that I have a, a rare autoimmune condition called myelin oligodendrocyte glycoprotein antibody disease, um, which is a demyelination of the myelin sheath. <laughs> What? I guess demyelin. It, so, so it's the sheath that protects your nervous system. Now, with Mog AD, which is the um, short name for it, um, it, it mostly affects the optic nerves. However, it can become transverse myelinitis, which affects the nerves all over the body, not unlike MS. However, Mog patients have a better um chance of recovery or living a slightly more normal life anyway the point of all of this is that in a rather unusual manifestation of my condition I have quite a large sorry it's not quite a large I have a cyst in my brain it's not large it's just a cyst Um, and sometimes having a cyst in your brain means that it's pressing on different areas of your brain and it can make you have really bad migraines um, it can kind of just sort of affect things in a painful way. Um, and, um, and I've been prescribed lots of different heavy duty pain relief um, from tramadol to cocodamol to uh, gabapentin uh, to amitriptyline, which is now, I'm on, excuse me, quite a low dose of amitriptyline, but it is quite a neuropathic painkiller. And um, so anyway, I, I thought with all of these pharmaceuticals that there, there tends to be a um, side effects. I mean, there always are side effects with whatever ph- pharmaceutical you're taking. It's it's really just the weighing up of what the pros are going to be and what the, you know, the negatives might be. 
Um, and for me, the other drugs that I tried, like gabapentin, were really horrible. They made me feel really uh, woozy and out of it and not myself. I felt like a zombie um, and I just couldn't hack it. It just, I just, I would rather deal with the pain um, until I started amitriptyline, which was a bit of a, um, um, it was a bit of a lifeline for me because I went from basically having excruciating migraines every day for about three months um, and then I started amitriptyline and, and within five weeks there was a, dr a dramatic change in me. Now the only thing is is that it also has side effects like um, uh, it can make acid reflux uh, worse, it can uh, affect your mood in a negative way, it can also affect your mood in a positive way but anyway th there are side effects. So, so I was interested in looking into medical marijuana as an alternative because there are far less side effects and um, is a much more natural way of um, of helping with pain and actually more importantly one of my worst post-covid issues has been really bad anxiety I've always been prone to anxiety but this has been unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life a few months ago I felt like I was having a heart attack about three or four times a day and once I even called the ambul an ambulance because I, I genuinely thought I was dying. <laughs> and, um, and I think it probably was just the heart palpitations associated with long COVID but, and, and a mixture of my anxiety. But it was so bad that I was feeling exhausted, like exhausted every day and really not looking forward to waking up the next day, which is a really horrible thing to admit but it was just just totally exhausting me. So anyway, I, I um, booked to have one of these consultations. It cost me £90 to have the consultation because it's a private doctor on Harley Street. And uh, he, the doctor went through my medical history. He went through all the different treatments that I have been on. He um, spoke to me about my neurologist. Um, they uh, uh, the doctor had to get permission from my GP, my um, NHS GP. Um, and uh, basically have a look at my medical records. And anyway, I, I um, was told that I was eligible. Um, and I was told that the way that they give um, medical marijuana is as an oil. Obviously, it wouldn't be ethical to give uh, people um, marijuana that you smoke. Um, and uh, it's £150 for a bottle. The bottle lasts four weeks. Um, 50 mils of the bottle has two mils of THC in it. THC is what's important because THC is illegal in the UK. It's not in certain parts of America and Canada and uh, the Netherlands, but it is illegal here. And um, THC is what makes CBD effective. So you, you hear a lot of people talking miracles about CBD. CBD has anti-inflammatory properties. Essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking CBD with a percentage of THC in it. The reason why THC is important is because that's the muscle relaxant part. So uh, in terms of pain relief, you need to have the THC. Okay, so I bought my, I, I passed, I bought, I passed. I was eligible, I paid my 150 pounds for my first bottle and uh, I'm on week four now. And the change in my uh, anxiety specifically has been, hugely dramatic like I feel 
so much better. Um, I'm not having panic attacks anymore. Um, I feel a lot lighter. I'm not, um, uh, with some of my post COVID stuff, it was really, um, sparking my, um, health anxiety. So I would go to bed and I would spend all night researching about supplements and about different things that I was feeling. I basically became hyper aware of what was going on with my body, which is really common because COVID just affects you in so many different ways. And I've had such a long recovery with it. And actually, I wouldn't say it's until now, nearly nine months post-infection, that I'm starting to feel normal again. Um, you, you, you well, I, I, I was going to say that I, I, I have myself witnessed the um, change in you. You seem to have an increased confidence level in the last few times I've spoken to you. Uh, you certainly seem to be less anxious about things. Um, so mental clarity as well. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, even that, just the too. just just the brain fog, um, which um, again, brain fog is like a post-COVID thing, but it's also uh, really common with MOG AD. So they so uh, people with MOG call it MOG fog, <laughs> which mm. has a good ring to it. Um, but I I just feel like um, so much lighter. And um, I can't really say I'm on such a low dose at the moment. I'm on 0.60 mils twice a day. So I take it in the morning and I take it in the evening. Um, and I can't really say um, what it would be like for pain relief. I'm not, I'm not having as much pain, but I don't know if I was just more aware of it before because I was so anxious. So I was kind of waking up in a state of, fight or flight every morning you know just just like what's wrong with me today um what do I need to what things do I need to do to make myself feel better I was became totally paranoid about what food and and drink I was having um and you know if I didn't take my supplements or I didn't eat well or if I didn't drink enough water I would give myself a really hard time um I would even say that I kind of like brought on the ill feelings uh, rather than them actually being there but um being in some of these long covid facebook groups it's it's definitely such a massive problem for so many people it's just so, so, crippling anxiety so you've mentioned two things what one is the mog which it's helped you with but also the long covid so so it's had the bent it's had it's it's assisted you with both those issues is that correct um I'm not sure that I would say that it, it, it assisted me with the long COVID. I would say that it assisted me with the anxiety caused by the long COVID, um, right. which I think is common. I think that if, I, if I'm honest, I think I'm probably at the point that a lot of people have said that around the sort of eight to nine month period, you, you, you know, there is quite a big improvement. So I think that probably it's run its course now. Um, but, but I can say that in the last week or so i can um i can confidently say that i'm not experiencing any of that um ad uh the what's it called an adversity to um exercise so if you, so in, in hastings we have all these twittens everywhere they're basically really steep staircases everywhere and i was really struggling to walk around the town that i live in just because it's um a very kind of like hilly environment and uh just being able to walk around the block with my dog and I'm not experiencing any of that anymore. So I think that I've, 
I have naturally come to the end of it, but but I hadn't got over the anxiety. And I think that that's what the medical marijuana has helped with. But yeah, it's, it, for me, it's just dramatic. It's it's so well, it's it, and it's different. What I've what I've witnessed in you is is dramatic, and therefore it's uh, you know I don't really want to say anything that would uh, knock it as as it were. But uh, you know, in the interests of balance here, I think that we do have to look at some of the other the other sides of it. So, you know, one of the big things that I made a note of as you were talking was the the money side of it. I mean, ninety pounds for a consultation. 150 pounds for a bottle lasting four weeks I mean, yeah it's totally inaccessible it's not accessible at all um i um so the th- the 90 pound includes the physical writing of the prescription which is 30 pounds which i think is pretty disgusting but this is private healthcare. yeah um, yeah one, one understands that but but you know it's a bit like plastic surgery in a sense, isn't it? In, in, you know, there's every incentive for the doctor to say, oh, you're eligible. <laughs> I mean, why would the doctor, why would a doctor reject anybody? You see what I'm saying? Um, I, ca- I can understand the, um, I can understand the, what's the word? <laughs> skepticism? Not the ca- yeah, the skepticism. Thank you. I was going to say caution. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I totally do understand that. And if you remember, when I first started talking to you about it, you said it sounded like a scam. Yes. And you looked, you looked into it for me and you found a lot of positive reviews, particularly to do with mental health. And you, yeah. uh, you uh, talking with you about it made me feel better about trying it. Yes. Um, Good. The fact that you had that healthy amount of skepticism and you were willing to do the research, um, you know, and then you and I talked it out quite a bit. Like I felt very supported in my decision to try it. Um, you could also say that it, it could be a placebo effect, but I've spent the last nine months trying lots and lots of different things and them not working. Well, it came um, very much, didn't it? In medical marijuana came very much into um, into public uh, view with that mother. I remember who was who had her medical marijuana had her son's medical marijuana, I should say, confiscated because of the UK law at the airport when she came into the country, and she pleaded and pleaded because she because of the fantastic effects it had I forget whether whether he was autistic or or what it was that he was suffering from but it was I mean you know it was a lifeline for him Mm. and I've heard this over and over again of what a lifeline uh, medical marijuana can provide to certain patients Um, and indeed the UK government did relent and uh, and I don't know whether they made exception. I don't know. I don't know whether this trial that you're talking about is a is an extension of what of their re- relaxation in that respect. But uh, you know, it, it seems to me that it's pretty clear um, that marijuana uh, as a medical uh, as a form of medication is very effective at all kind at, at, at um, alleviating all kinds of problems. So I think that's pretty pretty clear. On the other hand, there are there is the sort of you know I am concerned about the money making active aspect of it. The inaccessibility yeah. for those who can't afford it um, is obviously. But this is why um, people buy. Sorry to interrupt you, but this yeah. is why people turn to buying um, marijuana on the street. Sure, 
Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, for instance, I have a friend uh, who said that they, they could get me medical, well, sorry, they said that they could get me um, marijuana as an oil form for £60 a bottle. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a big saving. But the problem is, is that there are so many different strains of marijuana and some of them can give you a bit of a funny like well, you know can make you, you paranoid know. or you know get, give you different so so the, the, the yeah. good thing about this is it's regulated um it's a, it's a bit like a backstreet abortions isn't it i mean you know if, if you're going to make abortions illegal they're going to go backstreet and you're going to get not the best care you're going to get dangerous care and the same thing applies i would have thought here i mean you're going to get people selling it cheaper but it's going to be manufactured cheaper it's going to be sourced cheaper it's going to be yeah it's not it's not quality. really the same you can't really compare it to anything like ecstasy because there's there's so much more exploitation in terms of ecstasy and you know um cutting cutting drugs up with lots of nasty ingredients whereas with marijuana you you predominantly get people growing it in their houses yeah and um there isn't really the same kind of exploitation okay. or dangerousness around it but still um the the good thing about paying for that consultation is i have a medical professional who's holding my hand through the process and i said to him that i am really sensitive to medication and um, that's one of the reasons why I didn't like the gabapentin because it made me feel really spaced out. Um, and I, I, I just said, you know, I don't want to not feel myself. Like I, I want to have the benefits of the pain relief and the anxiety relief, but I don't want to, you know, feel subdued and, you know, out of it. And, and um, he really made me feel very secure in the choice that we were going to start really low and build up to a point that felt right. Couple of um, question, a couple of questions that might be in our listeners' minds because they're in my mind. Um, uh, the first thing is you mentioned that there's a there's something in the in the ingredient I forget tea something or other, uh, yeah, which is tea. which is illegal. So how does how does how do they get around that for this for the purposes of this um, experiment? By it being a trial, because it's a trial, so you, you, and they so they you, have um, they, they get a, a pass. They get a but they basically get a pass do they because they're involved in a trial and the other thing is which i think will be on everybody's lips this question how do you you know you mentioned that it would be unethical for them to get you to smoke it which most people associate marijuana with being smoked how do you take it um so it comes as an oil and you get one of those syringes that um you would normally give medicine to like a baby or a child with and mm -hmm. it's like a it, it it looks like a syringe. Obviously, it's not got a needle on the end. It's um, it's just a, a bit like having a teaspoon. Um, so uh, I basically just take a syringe worth um up to the millage that I'm supposed to have. Um, and you pop it underneath your tongue and you hold it there for a minute or two. Um, and then you swallow the um the ingredients and yeah, that's it really. I I can think of one negative that's come up. Yeah. Um, this might be uncomfortable for some of the men to listen to if there's male listeners um i know that um it's probably a bit of a generational thing but talking about periods is not really a a thing that men tend to like talking about but for the women for any women that might be interested uh thc can affect your per uh, periods and um it also um it can be used as a form of birth control so if you were thinking about getting pregnant, it wouldn't be an option. Um, if Tom, 
Tom, my husband, and I decide that we want to try for a baby, I would have to come off. Why is that? Marijuana, so what, what, does it do, what does it do then? Um, because it because it uh, prevents the egg from being able to fertilize. I did I did read it, but I think it's something about it prevent prevents it from being a good environment for the egg to fertilize in or okay. stick. And what effect does it have on period? What effect does it have on periods? So, so all I was going to say is I, I'm three weeks late for my period, and with, with so the bit that I was going to say that men probably don't want to hear is when women don't have their period on time, um, the lining of the service cervix gets thicker, and that's the bit that has to break away and be released, and it. Oh, we lost you. When you're late, Sorry, could you just extremely painful or can be extremely painful? Could you just so, so I think I think what's happened is taking this THC for this month. Yeah. Go on. Oh, could you just quickly repeat that because we lost you totally for a moment. Oh, um, can you just hold a second because I think that I need to get my charger. Okay. Just, just hold. Saying just go to an ad break. An I, ad I'll, break. I'll go to an ad break. Here comes an ad break. So uh, while little turn is getting her charger. Uh, we see we do these as live. There's nothing scripted here. Whatever happens, happens. So while she's doing that, just uh, if you could bear in mind uh, that you heard me answer a listener's question at the beginning. I'm very, very happy to, uh, and little tone is the same. She is also very happy to answer on air any questions, um, you know, provided they are tasteful questions, but nothing uh, nasty in there. Um, very happy to answer any questions about anything that we might say on any of the episodes. The other thing to say is that you can actually watch us uh, on our YouTube channel. They tend to uh, recording these episodes as live, and uh, it, it, that tends to come out a few days after the audio uh, version, which we release on on um, the Anchor platform and wherever you get your you prefer to get your podcast from. So go if you could just quickly repeat that because we did lose you. Um, so I was saying for for women, um, when you don't um, when you don't get your period on time, the lining of the cervix gets thicker, and uh, that means that when you do get your period and you have to pass the the, the lining because that's basically what leaves your body, um, it's much 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 more painful, um, and it's just much more unpleasant for women uh, mm. in general for lots of reasons that I won't talk about, but. Um, uh, I'm sure that well I feel certain that um, because I've been on this trial for a month that's the THC is what has affected my period and why it's three weeks late um, so that's obviously something to bear in mind as well this isn't going to be suitable for everyone but it's um it's definitely very interesting and just very quickly um, some of the people that it benefits the most are people uh, who might have Parkinson's disease or multiple sclerosis or I've forgotten what that um that condition is where where it's like um, um, where your body uh, shakes uncontrollably. Oh, you not mean like that's Parkinson's, isn't it? Not not Parkinson's. No. Okay. It's something else, and it's 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 something that's degenerative and gets worse, and it's a it's a horrible illness. Well, to have. You, from what I'm reading, what I've been reading online, I mean, it, it seems to have all kind. I mean, you know, people with certain types of cancer um, get alleviation from it, as you say, MS. Um, and um, paralysis, uh, chronic pain of, of all kinds, it can help with. I mean, there are lots and it seems to have lots and lots and lots of benefits. So that's good. What do you say, though, about the, uh, the, 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 the um, risk of addiction uh, and the thin end of the wedge argument that you hear all the time leveled at marijuana? 
Um, there is no evidence at all that marijuana is addictive. Um, in saying that, I do have a friend um, who I won't say their name. Uh, they were at my house last night and they were saying that they have been struggling with an addiction to smoking marijuana for 15 years. Um, they've recently become clean, um, mm. which is incredible. But I, but I don't think it was the marijuana that was that was necessarily addictive. I think it's because they were smoking it with tobacco, which is scientifically addictive. So, um, but isn't anything potentially addictive? I mean, you know, people talk about sex being addictive. People talk about. I think that's a personality thing rather than the actual. Yes. Thing. Okay. So you're saying per se, it's not necessarily addictive. I, okay. I don't think that the actual product is addictive. Um, however, I think that if anything, it becomes outside of your control. Like if you feel like it is controlling you, then it's something that you, you should try and okay. not do or look brilliant. into not doing. Brilliant. Well, I think that was a really brilliant episode. Thank you very much for sharing that experience. I think people will find that fascinating. I certainly did. We've uh, we've gone over our 30 minutes, but uh, um, I, th I think that was very extremely valuable. And thank you for that. Very interested in hearing views from um, our listeners on this. We have many listeners in other countries, so it would be very interesting to get perspectives from around the world on this as well as from the UK. Um, so please, if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be wonderful. Um, I just noticed that I, by the way, on a different subject, and I was going to hope that perhaps we could talk about this uh, little tone, but I, I've you, you were very instrumental in turning me vegan four years ago, and I came across, or rather it came up, because you know how Facebook does this thing and gives you memories, um, a, a post that I did when I, very shortly after I turned vegan, which mentioned you and various other things, uh, came up and I read it today and I wouldn't have even remembered I'd posted it, frankly, <laughs> but it would be worth perhaps uh, having an episode where we take a look at that and just uh, revisit um, my journey with veganism and uh, yours as well and share that with our listeners. Because I'm getting more and more questions at the moment from people, friends and neighbors about um, veganism. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's gaining ground all the time and i think it would be time to do another episode about that if you're up for that sure. um great wonderful well again thank you very much thank you to all our listeners and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode i certainly did and we look forward to uh, talking to you again next week so for now um as always it's goodbye from me goodbye for me goodbye everyone see you all next time 